This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 615. Welcome in. Uh, before we do anything today, I got to tell you about our sponsor. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections, and in 60 seconds, you could enter something like Travis Kelsey more than five catches, Tyreek Hill more than 100 yards receiving, and Justin Fields less than 200 yards passing. And if your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into 50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay. And they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CLNS, code CLNS, for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, um, I've got a thing. Don't let me forget. I, I, I say it, it's funny. It's funny to say that because I'm realizing I'm the only one here. So, uh, I'm going to try to remember later, but I, I want you listening to realize there's an announcement I have to make, like, at the end of the show. It's not in my notes. I forgot to put it, like, in the notes somewhere, but I want to remember for myself, and you guys need to know there's an announcement coming at the end of the episode. Um, it feels like the right place to put it at the end. I'm not really sure. Um, I have I have nothing planned how to announce this thing coming up, but it's a change that's coming to Strong Opinion Sports. Uh, it's a positive one, I think. And uh, it's a thing that I have to talk about today because it affects next week. So, um, yeah. Uh, remember, later, announcement coming. I want to talk about Thursday Night Football. On Thursday Night Football, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Tennessee Titans 20-16. 20. The other team scored 16. Not 22, but 20. Uh, first of all, I think you've got to give a ton of credit to Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. Uh, it's really insane that Pittsburgh is 5-3. and three. I can't believe that. They've got wins over Cleveland and Baltimore, the best defense in the NFL, Cleveland, a really good Baltimore team that, frankly, right now looks like a Super Bowl contender. And if the playoffs started today, Pittsburgh would be a playoff team. They'd be the number five seed in the AFC. Now, mind you, they played one more game than almost everyone else in the NFL, but still, um, that's absurd. That's crazy. That's uh, wild. And I guess they've played one more game. They've played, uh, everyone else has yet to play their week nine games, is what I really mean there. And the offense in Pittsburgh is bottom five in production. Given that, it's really crazy that they're five and three and a playoff team. Their quarterback has not played well, in my opinion. Kenny Pickett's been a, frankly, a major disappointment this year in the NFL. And I want to be very clear. Kenny Pickett has not been good. He's just not impressed me at all. And I think given that, you really cannot help but be impressed by Mike Tomlin, the Steelers head coach. He's outstanding. He's doing really good stuff. I uh, I just admire the way Mike Tomlin 
keeps finding ways to win football games. It's like, <laughs> I can't believe the Steelers are 5-3. and three. Tip of the cap. Um, I've talked about him a lot. I've called him. I've said he's not a top-tier coach. I've said, like, you know, he's, he's not Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel. Maybe maybe that take is a bit outdated. Maybe that take is maybe that take is kind of silly because he uh, again to have this Pittsburgh Steelers team at five and three right now, I walk away very very impressed. Now Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett continues to frustrate me. Uh, I oh man the dude is missing throws. He's doing a really poor job beating blitzes. Uh, for me personally, that's a pet peeve. I hate when a quarterback can't beat a blitz. And uh, I thought for three and a half quarters, Titans rookie quarterback Will Levis making his second ever NFL start outplayed Kenny Pickett. And there were multiple throws by Kenny Pickett that he missed in the first half where it's it's frustrating because it's a physical issue. He's even sometimes making the right read and the ball's not going to the right location. Like Meaning he'll have a receiver open. There was a third and goal play where he had a receiver open for a touchdown and missed the throw. And I'm like, oh my gosh, third and eight had a throw he missed. Had a deep ball to Calvin Austin. Should have been a huge play if not a touchdown. And he underthrew it and missed it. It's a physical problem. He can make the right read, but the ball's not going where it needs to go. And again, that third and goal miss should have been a touchdown. That's killing me, man. Like, can he pick it? Come on, all year he's been missing throws that I thought he was more accurate and would make early on in the year. I did a film analysis. I thought he did really good last year. I thought he was making progress. On the day, Kenny Pickett was 19 for 30, passing it through for 160 yards and a touchdown. I will say, I will say this because I want to be fair. It's important to be fair. You have to acknowledge I've got a narrative here I'm telling you. I think Kenny Pickett's been underperforming, not doing good enough. This is something that fights against that narrative, and it, it's important to acknowledge in the final seven or eight minutes of this football game, Kenny Pickett played really well. In the end of the fourth quarter, Kenny Pickett made some good plays, and that's cool. I have no doubt that people will say they're happy to see Kenny Pickett play well and lead another fourth quarter touchdown drive for the win. Like, yay, Kenny Pickett, he, he might suck all game long, but he matters. He, he plays best when it matters most. Like, you can say that if you want. Um, personally, I am growing frustrated watching Kenny Pickett. He misses too many opportunities. There was a, a play, an RPO, where it was two on two, two receivers and two defenders out wide. It's not a look you want to throw the ball there. He threw a bubble screen. They lost three yards to set up a third and long. They ended up punting. Hand off the ball, dude. You can't miss a read on an RPO. It's pre-snap. It's not that complicated. And to be an NFL quarterback missing very, very simple throws, very, very simple reads, it's unacceptable. You cannot do that. And I know Kenny Pickett won. I know that I don't know what Steelers fans are thinking. Honestly, I have no idea if they're excited. I have no idea if they want to praise him. I think if you want to make an argument to praise Kenny Pickett, you totally can. Because you're like, ah, he delivered at the end. But the rest of the game, he was garbage. And I am sorry. You can't be missing receivers open for touchdowns, deep balls, third downs coming across the field, throwing. How do you make the wrong decision on RPO as an NFL quarterback? What are we doing? It's horrifying. He's not recognizing blitzing. He's not beating blitzes with throwing the football. It's really, really frustrating, and uh, given that Pittsburgh is winning, even with Kenny Pickett playing the way he is, I would now argue that, in fact, I think it's safe to say Kenny Pickett is actually holding back the offense in Pittsburgh. I know we talk about Matt Canada, the play calling, it's frustrating, blah, 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 and if you like him, great, but I I personally find Kenny Pickett very, very frustrating to watch, and uh, 
Steelers fans, right in. I want to hear from you. How do you feel? Because I, like I said, they won the game. They won Thursday Night Football. Great for them. But my gosh, there were a lot of missed opportunities that were there where Kenny Pickett missed a throw or missed a read. And uh, I think the Steelers' offense can be way better with a different quarterback, quite frankly. And I know we we attack Matt Canada all the time. He's not good enough. He should get fired, blah, blah, blah. I'm all for that. I'm not against that idea. And I think, again, you fire the offensive coordinator before you fire the quarterback. But I, Matt Canada called a pretty decent game against Tennessee. Again, he had receivers open where you dialed up the right play call, receivers are open, and your quarterback simply makes a bad throw. You can't really blame the offensive coordinator when you got receivers open and your quarterback physically is missing throws. He's not accurate enough to make the throw happen. It's a problem. And I, I also want to acknowledge Matt Canada came down. He was on the field instead of up in the booth. I think that's a great move. Um, usually, when I when I play quarterback, you want to be on the same page as the offensive coordinator where the, you understand why he's calling the play you're calling. And if you have a drive that doesn't work out, you go to the sideline. Having your offensive coordinator in the booth makes it harder to communicate and talk things through. I like. I saw a lot of shots of Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada on the sideline discussing stuff. Probably saying, hey, I thought we were going to do this on that play. We got to do this instead. Communicating. Having a better uh, ability to communicate on the sideline. I think that does matter. I think it makes it better for Kenny Pickett. Um, that was a welcome change. But seriously, I'm, I'm not kidding. I am really, really growing sick of watching Kenny Pickett. And this is a bit... It's very early. Like, I, I don't want to... We have got a lot of season left. And I don't think you bench Kenny Pickett. Nothing like that. You play out the year, see how he does. At this point right now, at 5-3, and three, eight games into the year for Pittsburgh, nine weeks into the season, I don't see a single thing that Kenny Pickett is great at. I don't know what the redeeming quality is. I can't think of a single reason why Pittsburgh should keep investing in Kenny Pickett, quite frankly. I know that's kind of fast, but he doesn't have a great arm. He's not a great runner. He's making bad reads. He's missing throws. What is the thing Kenny Pickett's really good at that makes him worth investing in? Justin Fields has a lot of problems as a quarterback, but at least he can run. At least I see potential there. I'm like, I know what can happen. And and maybe Kenny Pickett's close. Maybe by the end of the year, he's he's hitting the throws he's missing and beating blitzes and making the right reads on RPOs, little stuff like that. But right now, today, if the season ended today, I would say just move off of Kenny Pickett because he's not doing anything. There's no redeeming quality about him worth investing in. Again, we got, what, it's an 18-week season, 70 games, so they got nine games left in the year for Pittsburgh, about half the year left. In the final nine games, I wonder if Kenny Pickett can do enough to change my mind. But right now, today, my instinct is you got the wrong quarterback, move off. Will Levis, the young quarterback in Tennessee, has a way bigger arm. He throws the ball better. He's not missing easy throws. In fact, I thought Will Levis made some really challenging throws on Thursday Night Football. Man, uh, Kenny Pickett is monumentally underwhelming. And I, I just, when you recognize the guy you have is average, if not mediocre, is that really the guy you want to hit your wagon to? Is that the guy you want to plan long term with? When you're dating someone and they're just kind of average and don't feel great about them, is that the person you marry? You know, I don't know that Kenny Pickett's the long-term answer in Pittsburgh. He's fine. He's not. He's 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 bad sometimes. He really frustrates me. Like he's got receivers open. You got to hit those throws. But he's not god awful often. But he's not impressive. 
And I, I'm telling you one more time, I don't see a single thing that he's great at that makes me go, wow, that is why Kenny Pickett should be the quarterback. If he was if he was a great runner or had a massive arm or was just like a perfect, perfect guy when it comes to making reads, I'd say, sure, there's one thing we can say, that's the great thing we see potential in. But right now, I don't see a single thing about Kenny Pickett that makes me go, that should be the quarterback for the next 10 years in Pittsburgh. I go, that's a... That's a very underwhelming thought. Maybe you get a great deal. You can pay him nothing for 10 years and build a great team around him. But uh, I don't I don't get it. I don't see the the Kenny Pickett thing. I'm like, uh, I don't I don't understand. I don't agree. I don't love what he's doing. And if the season ended today, I would move off. Titans rookie quarterback, the Tennessee Titans rookie quarterback, Will Levis, made his second ever NFL start on Thursday night. He was 22 for 39, passing at 262 yards. One interception. Um, I want to start with the ugly interception. It's kind of the thing that, you know, before we praise the guy, let's talk about the thing he did wrong. Uh, Tennessee actually got the ball down four twice in the final five minutes of the game. They could not score. They could not put together a game-winning drive to win. And the game, I guess, technically ended with Pittsburgh taking a knee. But the game really ended on a third and five where Tennessee had the ball on the 19-yard line. And with six seconds left, Will Levis threw the game-ending interception he was too aggressive. He tried to fit a throw into a really tight window, uh, and it, I can't really defend it. It's a bad throw. I mean, I I think I understand. He was trying to put it up over a linebacker into, like, a really tiny window, and it's a throw that, in my career, I would have never tried because I knew I never had the arm strength of Will Levis. I, I understand when you have the arm like Will Levis has where he can just throw. He's got a cannon, dude. He's kind of like Matthew Stafford where— he can do stuff other quarterbacks simply cannot do. And you're like, yeah, I get, I get, I get the idea, but it's not open. You got to learn. You can't make that throw. It's it's just not a not a not a completion. It's a touchdown. He was trying to throw a touchdown down the seam, not open. It got picked off by, um, gosh, that linebacker out of played in San Quan Alexander. And he also it was a bad decision. So that interception can't defend it at all. I see the thought process, but it's him. I think kind of. Being a little too aggressive and thinking thinking he can make a throw into a really tiny window that's kind of impossible. Uh, he also almost threw the game-ending inter- interception in a similar spot on first down over the middle. Like two plays earlier, it got dropped by Pittsburgh. So Will Levis, I want to acknowledge, he was not perfect in this football game. He made mistakes. He did things wrong. Um, absolutely, that needs to be said. He could have done things better. On Thursday night. We agree? Yes, yes, okay. But man, uh, Will Levis was really, really dang good in this football game. For the way he ended the game that wasn't great, I thought for three and a half quarters he was <laughs> incredible, man. I, I, I love this kid. Um, it does matter that he didn't finish strong, and you could argue he didn't play well and it mattered most. I can hear people in their head saying, you know, Will Levis played better, but Kenny Pickett got the dub. I, I hear you. I understand that. To me, I can forgive the mistake by the young quarterback, Will Levis, because he's a rookie quarterback making his second ever NFL start. But, hey, Will Levis made a lot of really, really good throws in this football game. And I think he did a lot of things well that will go underappreciated because of how he ended the game. Uh, he had a big throw down the right sideline where he threw for a first down on third and 13 where he's getting hit as he throws. He steps into pressure, takes a hit, delivers a great ball down the sideline. I was like, oh, boy, that's awesome. He had pressure in his face. He takes a hit, hung in the pocket. Uh, a couple times he beat Blitzberg. P- Blitzberg. <laughs> Blitzberg's kind of a fun nickname if they ever blitzed a lot. I'm sure that at some point they did that and had – who was that defensive coordinator that had a long time ago who blitzed a lot? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Um 
Blitzburg, though, I'm, I'm sure, a thousand percent, I'm sure they've used that nickname at some point during their uh, franchise history. Anyway, when Pittsburgh blitzed him, Will Levis hung out in the pocket, beat them, throwing the football. I thought it was great. My uh, Something I just hate more than anything is when a young quarterback doesn't have a plan on how to deal with the blitz. We saw Kenny Pickett a couple times caught off guard. There was a throw through a deep out route. Kenny Pickett, the Steelers quarterback, wasn't prepared. They brought seven, only had six blockers. Had a guy I thought open, could have thrown for six yards, maybe set up fourth and one. Didn't have a plan how to beat the blitz, ended up throwing the ball away. Will Levis, the Tennessee Titans quarterback, by the way, making his second ever NFL start, had a plan basically every time Pittsburgh blitzed him. That's high-level stuff, man. Like, that is... I wish it was a simple thing. I wish it was a thing that every quarterback did, and it was just not a a thing to be impressed by. But the reality is so many quarterbacks, I've even seen Jared Goff a couple times this year, not expect the blitz, not recognize it, take a bad sack. Like The fact that Will Levis is recognizing blitzes pre-snap, and here's how it works, by the way. It's kind of like doing a pre-flight checklist. You know, you hear a pilot saying, we're sitting in the cockpit, we check all the stuff, make sure all the instruments are working properly. Before you snap the football as a quarterback, you got to check where the safeties are, you got to make sure everyone's set, you got to have an idea what you think the coverage is, then when you snap the ball, you got to confirm what it is. But one of the other things you got to do to add to that pre-snap checklist is who could blitz? And if that guy or a couple guys blitz, where am I going at the football? What's my plan? If they blitz me on third and seven, I got to know exactly where to go with the football and how to beat that blitz throwing the football. Because usually, by the way, if they're bringing blitzers after the quarterback, it means there are fewer people in pass coverage. So it means you got one-on-one coverage somewhere or a great matchup somewhere. Where's my best matchup if they blitz? It's a thing you got to do. You got to add it to your pre-snap checklist and do that every single time. Will Levis is doing that. Kenny Pickett did not. The guy in the second year didn't do that. The guy in his second start, Will Levis, did. That's massive. That is something every quarterback should do, and I I can't say enough good things, man. Um, Will Levis had a couple really nice deep balls. He's super accurate. I mean, he's got a... A beautiful arm. Like I, <laughs> I I love watching Will Levis throw the football. I, I did not expect to like this guy. I really didn't. I thought the his personality was kind of a turnoff in the pre-draft setting. I, I couldn't I didn't know what to make of him. I was like, ah, he's fine. I thought he got outplayed by Anthony Richardson in college. But man, um Will Levis looked really good on Thursday night for the second game in a row. And uh, all around I feel really good. I mean, we're two games in. I, I want to be very clear. It's important to say there's a lot of season left. There's a lot of games left for Will Levis and a lot of time for him to screw it up. You know, I don't want to freak out. RG3 was rookie of the year. He's a broadcaster now saying wild stuff on ESPN. Like stuff that, by the way, some of the things that RG3 says, I go, are you allowed to say that on TV? Okay. Like, all right, man. I mean, I've said worse, but I'm on the internet. I can say whatever I want. Um <laughs> Will Levis, man, uh, two games in, I think he looks like a franchise quarterback, though. Straight up. I mean, I he's the best quarterback the Titans have had in a long time. The, what I saw the last two games in Tennessee made me go, oh, this is what it can look like when Tennessee has a good quarterback. Wow, this is crazy. It's still early, but he outplayed Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. Again, Will Levis threw the interception at the end of the game. He threw an interception. He had a chance to make a play, be clutch. He didn't do it. But, uh... I think I can forgive that. I, I I thought that for three and a half quarters, Will Levis was incredible. And he drove them down to the 19-yard line. It's not like he was useless in the second half or in the fourth quarter at the end of the game. Um, he made he was over-aggressive on the final three snaps of the game, basically. 
two of the three at least. But man, Will Levis did some really good stuff on Thursday Night Football, and I think he is. I think he's exciting. I I don't know what the rest of the year is going to look like. I I always be very careful. I don't want to freak out. I don't want to go. Wow, he's the second coming of Jesus. He's amazing. But I, I'm telling you guys, Will Levis did some really high level stuff on Thursday Night Football, and if he keeps it up, he's a franchise quarterback easily in Tennessee. By the way, we got crappy news for Pittsburgh. In this game, linebacker Cole Holcomb got a serious knee injury. He's out for the year. Um, I feel bad for the guy. It sucked, too. He actually got hurt, like, running into his own teammate, basically. It's bad luck all around. I feel bad for Cole Holcomb, and uh, the Steelers lost a linebacker on Thursday night. That's unfortunate and sad. All right, uh, let's look ahead to this weekend. In college football, number 15 Notre Dame plays at Clemson. And, uh, yo, I can't wait for this game. I want to be very clear in an almost malicious way. I want to see Notre Dame win by 50 points. I really would enjoy watching Dabo Sweeney and uh, Clemson get brought down to earth. They've been, to me, wildly disappointing this year. I I think Clemson is going to lose, by the way. I am rooting hard for Notre Dame. But I think Clemson thinks that things eventually can be fixed in Clemson like without making changes. And uh, I think losing like 55 to 10 to Notre Dame starting the year 4-5, and because they're 4-4 and right now, it would be a big signal that, oh, yeah, Clemson is not where they used to be, and they got to make significant changes. If they slug it out and lose, like, 26 to 25 or 28 to 21, like, they're in the game and it's close and interesting, like, 24, 28, something like that. If it's a close game and they barely lose, I don't think Clemson's going to learn anything from it. But if Clemson gets their butts kicked, right, and really gets sent back down to earth, uh, I think it'd be good for them because I, I just— to me, I watch Clemson, and they need a better quarterback. They need to make some changes in the way they recruit. Um, their coach says a lot of stuff that makes me feel really cringy. I think they need a, a a rude awakening, quite frankly, at Clemson. They're a bit delusional, in my opinion, and losing to Clemson, I think would be a, losing to Notre Dame, excuse me, would be a good thing for Clemson, and I'm rooting for that because I, I don't hate Dabo Sweeney. A lot of people do. I don't hate him. I just think he's a bit—he um, thinks really highly of himself. And uh, I think him being brought down to earth would be good for the long-term health of the program. And uh, if they lose 55-10 to 10 to Notre Dame, your boy Zach is going to really enjoy watching Sam Hartman pump up the crowd and have a good time with that win. Um, Army plays Air Force on Saturday. I might watch. Air Force is 8-0. They're the number 25 team in the country. Army's like 2-6. and six. It's an interesting game to me. And uh, go Air Force. Kind of fun there. Bedlam is happening. Number nine, Oklahoma plays at number 22, Oklahoma State. That's a great rivalry game. It's usually fun. I love Dylan Gabriel. The dude is from Hawaii. You love it. From Mililani High School. Uh, Rooting for Oklahoma for sure there. Number five, Washington plays at number 20, USC. I worry for USC's defense. USC's defense is a massive liability. They've been horrible recently. Uh, It's very likely that they're going to get destroyed. At least the defense is going to get destroyed by USC. But maybe USC can score a lot of points and make it a fun shootout. I think it's – honestly, I think this is a great game. If you want to watch a high-scoring, fun game that maybe is a throwback to a TCU and Colorado to start the year earlier this season, I think this game is it. I think this game is going to be like 55-48. to 48. I think Washington does win, but uh, I think it, there's potential here for a really, really fun matchup between Washington and USC. Game is in L.A., by the way. 
Colorado is hosting number 16, Oregon State. Oregon State is 6-2. and two. Colorado is 4-4. Four and four. Oregon State is uh, really good up front. I think they're I think Oregon State's probably going to win this football game. They're much better. They've got better linemen on offense and defense, quite frankly. But if Colorado can pull it off, it would be a really impressive, really big victory for them. And uh, I don't know. I'm really curious what happens in this football game. My concern is that Oregon State runs for like 300 yards and uh, gets a lot of pressure on Shadur Sanders and uh, just dominates up front physically, and it's going to lead to a mismatch. Now, last but not least, a game you got to put on your radar. I think, to me, like the best game of the weekend is probably Washington at USC. A game to like check the score on is Notre Dame, Clemson, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You can't go wrong. It's Big 12 football. It's Bedlam. That's going to be an awesome game. I, I, I have a hard time believing that won't be fun to some degree. But the game that I think is the most huge here that is going to be like, whoa, boy, this is awesome. Uh, number 14, LSU plays at number eight, Alabama. It's a huge game. It always is. It's going to be like Jameer Gibbs is going to be there, the Detroit Lions running back. LSU is 6-2. and two. Alabama is 7-1. And, one. and uh, I, I think I'm rooting for Alabama here. I like their quarterback, Jalen Milrow. But more than anything, I just hope it's close and entertaining. I just, I love the thought of these two power weight, you know, heavyweight programs duking it out and uh, kind of having this it's going to be a brawl. I mean, I really think this is going to be a great game. Competitive, loud. I probably, I'm trying to think of like across college football and probably across the entire NFL world. I think the game in Germany for the NFL is going to be really wild. Their crowd is going to be very excited and really into it. But probably the best crowd in the entire football world this weekend is going to be LSU at Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And uh, I can already, I can hear the the broadcasters for ESPN. I can I can just I can already hear the band like the color of the lights because the lights have their own little bit unique hue in Tuscaloosa at night. This game's gonna be awesome and uh, oh man, I, it, this is what it's about. This is why college football is exciting. It's games like this when LSU plays Alabama. The crowd's into it. The game matters. Both teams are good. Six and two, seven and one. I don't know. I think it's gonna be game of the weekend in college football. LSU at Alabama, but another a, a little. The, the crowd won't be as good. It's in L.A. It won't be as, as uh, the energy won't be there as an exciting of a game. But Washington at USC is another underrated, probably the, the second spot for game of the week in college football this weekend. In the NFL, it's NFL Week 9. And we got four, what I would call really big, really exciting games coming up this weekend in the NFL. In Germany, Miami's playing Kansas City. I don't know what the Germans did, but I feel like we really gave Germany the best game we got. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun. Like, potentially this could be game of the year quality stuff where Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, you've got the great offense for Miami, Tyreek Hill playing his old team, a really good Chiefs defense. This game I expect to be fantastic, and anything less would be a monumental disappointment in my opinion. Dallas is playing at Philly. The Eagles are seven and one. Dallas is five and two. Um, I think we're going to get a great game here. I think anything less would be disappointing, quite frankly. But I do believe that Philly's going to win. Uh, I do not trust Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. I mean, remember the 49ers game a couple weeks ago where Dak Prescott had three interceptions and they lost 42 to 10? I didn't forget that. I'm never forgetting that game. I don't trust the Cowboys. I don't trust Dak Prescott, their quarterback. But I hope it's a physical game. I hope that it's a game where 
hope the crowd in Philly is insane and exciting, and I think it's always going to be fun. Any game in Philly like this with a huge atmosphere and two good football teams is going to be fun, but I've got Philly winning this football game at home against Dallas. On Sunday night football, Buffalo plays Cincinnati. The game is in Cincinnati. Buffalo's 5-3. and three. The Bengals are 4-3. and three. And the Bengals need to win more, in my opinion. 5-3 and three versus 4-4 four and four is a big difference for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think it's going to be a great game. I genuinely don't know what to expect from Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. I feel like they are so hot and cold week to week. It's like some days you get the great Josh Allen. Some days you get the guy through four interceptions against the Jets. I don't know which one to expect here. Um, it is worth noting, by the way, Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback, is now fully healthy. Started here with a calf injury. I watched him make a play last week where... The dude escaped a sack, ran around, made a big play. I was like, oh, boy. Okay. So uh, Joe Burrow's fine. Wow. It's going to be huge. And given the possibility here, Josh Allen's a really good quarterback. The, the best day from Josh Allen. He's kind of Brett Farvish. Like, he makes some boneheaded mistakes and does some stuff. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a terrible decision. Why'd you make that throw? But the best of Josh Allen is, like, top quality entertainment. I feel the same way about Joe Burrow. I think there's potential here for a really fun show and a shootout between two really fun AFC quarterbacks. And uh, I don't know. I, I've, I'm really I'm hopeful for this game. I think Bills, Bengals could be incredible. I just hope it delivers. Seattle plays at Baltimore. This is an underrated game in my opinion. The Ravens are six and two. Seattle is five and two. I think we could have a great game here. Uh, Seattle Seahawks rookie receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba recently, as I catch this little thing floating, I, I've got, like, I don't know where, I, there's cat hair coming from somewhere, I have no idea where, but it's just it just rises up. The minute I start recording, I turn on this bright light, cat hair just goes whoosh, rising up into the sky. Uh, I do have a cat in the apartment, that's probably obviously why. Anyway, uh, Seahawks rookie receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba has really started making an impact recently. I'm curious to see if that production continues. Uh, and the Ravens' offense is the big thing I'm really interested in in this football game between the Ravens and Seattle. Two weeks ago, I thought that the Ravens' offense showed up big time against Detroit. They were incredible. And last week, they had a different style. They ran the ball, actually. They had three touchdowns from uh, the running back, Cus Edwards. But I, what we know about the Ravens' offense is that on their very best day, they're a Super Bowl contender, if not a Super Bowl favorite. So I am really, really interested to see the Ravens' offense in this football game. It's a pretty quality Seattle Seahawks defense. By the way, Leonard Williams is playing in his first game for the Seattle Seahawks at defensive end. That'll be interesting, too. Um, if the Ravens dominate on Sunday on offense, I think then maybe it would be time to start considering the Ravens a Super Bowl favorite, actually. They'd be 7-2. and two. I, That's... I mean, to me, like the Ravens, given what they've done, the way they beat Detroit. We'll see how Lamar Jackson and the offense looks, but I've got I, I got my eye on this game because I think it could have ramifications for the way we view the Baltimore Ravens the rest of the year uh, in the NFL. On Monday night football, the Chargers play the Jets. I think the Jets are going to win this football game. We've seen Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert have some shaky moments this year, and the Jets have a really good defense. They've got a better coaching staff. Um, I know it's weird to say, given how ugly the Jets game was last week, they barely beat the Giants in overtime. But I do believe the Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, is getting better. 
And I actually like the Jets to win this game on Monday night. I think the Jets beat the Chargers. Could be wildly wrong, but I, I think coaching matters. Uh, you got a great defense for the Jets. I, I'm really concerned. I think Brandon Staley is going to hold back the Jets. He's going to make some bad decisions. And I've got the Jets winning on Monday night football, in my opinion. Four teams have a bye this week. Uh, Denver, Detroit, the 49ers, and the Jaguars all will not play during NFL Week 9. So those teams are not playing. The Arizona Cardinals play the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Arizona is 1-7. They might be starting a rookie quarterback, Clayton Toon, against what is the best defense in the NFL in Cleveland. I feel very, very strongly that the Cleveland Browns are going to win this football game. Uh, I am really curious to see how quarterback Deshaun Watson will play. He's supposed to be coming back from an injury, and I... Man, I, I, have, I have no idea what to make of uh, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> like, is he bad? Is he garbage? Possibly. I don't... I, I, I'm very interested to see how Deshaun Watson does. Little, little spoiler, I've got two quarterbacks on my fantasy team. I've got Deshaun Watson and Derek Carr. I think even though they're playing a 1-7 football team, I'm going to start Derek Carr against... Who are they playing? Who's Derek Carr playing? Again, remind me, Chicago. I think I'm going to start Derek Carr rather than Deshaun Watson. That, I think, is a good litmus test of how I feel about Deshaun Watson, my, my confidence level in him. But uh, I'm curious to see how he does against the lowly Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. The Vikings are playing against Atlanta. Both teams are 4-4. Four and four. Uh, Both teams are actually starting a new quarterback. The Vikings are starting Jaron Hall, a rookie quarterback who was drafted in the fifth round out of BYU. He's being put on the field because... Uh, Kirk Cousins towards Achilles. Joshua Dobbs is brand new, probably hasn't learned the offense fully yet. But uh, Atlanta also has a new quarterback, but they benched their starting quarterback, Desmond Ritter, and is starting Taylor Heineke. Because of this, I feel very strongly that Atlanta's going to win this football game. They've got a better quarterback, a more stable quarterback with Taylor Heineke. I think Atlanta beats Minnesota on Sunday. The Rams play at Green Bay. And I don't know if this matters, but Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford has played... A lot in in Lambeau, uh, in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Spent a lot of years in the NFC North playing for the Detroit Lions. I would imagine he's going to be very comfortable in this environment. I think the Rams win this football game. Here's why. They've got a lot of playmakers, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup. Uh, a lot of young guys on this Rams team have been stepping up and playing really well. They've got a much better quarterback. Matthew Stafford, I take all day over Jordan Love, the Packers' young quarterback. I have patience for Jordan Love, but I don't have confidence in him. And uh, so I've got the Rams beating the Green Bay Packers on the road in Green Bay this weekend. Washington plays the Patriots. Uh, Neither team is very good. One more time, neither team is very good. Like, I I don't want to watch this game. I I, I don't know. It's better than, like, the Raiders game this week. But um, what I am excited to see, I, I probably will watch one thing about this game. I'll watch this game for one reason, which is that I want to see how Washington quarterback Sam Howell plays against the Bill Belichick coached defense for New England. That'll be interesting, but I have no idea what to make of this game. Washington just traded away a bunch of guys at the trade deadline. It felt like a, a surrender of the year, to be honest. Uh, the Patriots are 2-6, and six, so they're also horrible. And we'll see. I, I think Washington wins because they've got a more capable offense, but I that's hit or miss, man. I feel really weird about that pick. Um Chicago plays at New Orleans. I feel very strongly that New Orleans is going to win this football game. They've got more talent. They've got a better quarterback, a good defense. 
Um, in fact, I think if New Orleans loses this football game, it would be a big missed opportunity. It would be like a sign of things being wrong and bad in New Orleans. Um, Bears quarterback Justin Fields is very unlikely to play. He's listed as doubtful. He's recovering from a thumb injury on his throwing hand. I think they're going to start Tyson Bagent, the rookie quarterback for Chicago. To me, given the situation, given that you've got a better team, a really good defense, a better quarterback, more talent, like this is a must-win game for the New Orleans Saints. If they lose this football game, things are very, very wrong in New Orleans. Tampa plays at Houston. I think this game could be a weirdly good game. Tampa on the road at Houston. Baker Mayfield against C.J. Stroud. Some good defenses going on. I think Houston wins this game. Actually, I'm going to say something that might be controversial. I think C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback today than Baker Mayfield. But both teams are 3-4. and four. Um, It's worth noting, my prediction here is that Houston wins. But if Tampa does lose, if that does happen, if my prediction comes true, then Tampa will be 3-5. and five. They will have lost four games in a row after starting 3-1. and one. This is a game Tampa has to win. I just don't know, don't know that they're going to win. But uh, I, I, who would have thought... This week of the season, week nine, C.J. Stroud would be really impressive, and I would think he would play at home against Tampa and have a great day. I'd be confident in him. I, I did not see that coming, and uh, I feel really confident in C.J. Stroud. I think they're going to win this football game uh, on the road, uh, sorry, at home for Houston. Indy plays at Carolina. I've got the Colts winning this football game. Gardner Minshew, baby. I love Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania. Uh, Carolina barely won the first game last week. I think the Colts are just a better team all around. I've got the Colts beating Carolina in Carolina. The Giants play the Raiders. I am picking the Raiders to win because they just fired the red coach. It's very simple. Usually after a team fires the red coach, everyone's like, oh, crap. Everyone's job is on the line. We better play well. Everyone brings their very best that week. Everyone's put on notice. They just benched their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo can get benched, nobody's safe. So everyone's playing with everything they got this week. It emotionally gives you a little more investment for a week. And I think the Raiders are going to win. The Giants, it's worth noting, will have their quarterback, Daniel Jones, back from a neck injury. But I would encourage you, don't watch this football game. Giants, Raiders? Nah, it's a, it's a horrible game. Don't watch it if you can avoid it. Both teams are awful. My friend Robert's a Raiders fan. He's going to have to watch the game. He's a Raiders fan. He watches every Raiders game. And uh, God bless him. That sounds like a horrifying existence to me. I would not want to watch every Raiders game every week. That would be uh, that's a painful way to live. If you're a Raiders fan right now, ugh, I'm sorry. All right, uh, let's shift gears to questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Shomler. patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. Uh, I got a story later. You'll you'll understand why. You got to support the show. Um, it's a dollar a month. If you do donate to support the show and you write in on Patreon, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee, these two eyeballs I use with my, I use, I use these two eyeballs. I look at every single question with my eyeballs and I pick the top couple of questions to read on the show. Um, yeah, I, I, the other thing I think worth mentioning, there's a exclusive Patreon discord channel. So if you support strong and sports at the $5 tier or higher, you get access to the Patreon exclusive discord channel. It's a lot of fun in there. We share memes. We talk, we hang out. Um, I, I actually haven't been on it much this week. I've been really going through some stuff. Uh, but 
you know, uh, I, I love you guys. It's fun in there. I, I just put, let me, let me open it up. I'm really curious to see what the people have to say in the Discord. I, I put out a question uh, asking for help. Should I start Derek Carr or Deshaun Watson? And, and I'm realizing now it's 8.30 p.m. on a Friday. A, I'm the only loser not doing something on a Friday night. B, it's Hawaii time. So it's already 1.30 in the morning on the East Coast. No, it's later than that. It's 2 a.m. My God. So, uh, yeah, I would imagine everyone's asleep. But if they want to reply, please do. I'd love your help advising what you think I should do with Deshaun Watson or Derek Carr. Probably going to start Derek Carr. All right, Jeffrey writes on a Patreon. Jeffrey says, hello to Zach and your eyeballs. Through this point of the year, what do you think has been your best take or your wor- and your worst take? Thanks as always. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, Jeffrey. Love you. My worst take by far this year so far has been that Kenny Pickett would be good. Like, uh, he's missing throws. He's missing reads. He's not beating blitzes. Kenny Pickett has been a disaster, if I'm totally honest. Um, so I, I just was wrong about that. I, I thought Kenny Pickett was going to have a great year. I thought him and George Pickens were going to be a dynamic duo. I thought he was going to make progress and get better. He somehow looks worse this year. Again, it kills me. The 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 guys who are open that Kenny Pickett simply misses are, are making me want to gouge my eyeballs out. I'm like, how, how can I be watching this? How is this possible? You can be in your second year in the NFL and you're missing touchdowns, you're missing deep balls, you're missing receivers open, you're not recognizing blitzes. I was so wrong about Kenny Pickett and uh, it's painful to see. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Uh, my best take so far... So far, right? This point of the year. I don't know if this take is going to hold up. But I predicted Seattle was going to win the NFC West over the 49ers. And I got made a lot of, people made a lot of fun of me. My reasoning was that I had concerns about Brock Purdy and was unsure about him. (laughs) I mean, did you watch the last three games Brock Purdy played in? Right now, today, uh, Seattle is first in the NFC West. So I don't know if this take is going to hold up. But... If it does, your boy Zach was very right. And I think regardless, I want to say it was okay for me to have doubts about Brock Purdy. He never lost a regular season game going into this year. But I was like, I'm not ready to commit to him being amazing. And he's not been amazing. He's made some mistakes and done some stuff that is controversial and not great. Uh, Made some, thrown some bad throws, thrown some interceptions, um, been underwhelming at times. Brock Purdy, I wasn't sure about him. And that definitely was the right call. That's a that's a take that I want more credit for. <laughs> like, uh, sorry I wasn't all in on a guy who hadn't played very much, but I think that was a reasonable opinion preseason. One more thing I thought that was good a good take by Zach, by me. Uh, I was talking about the Browns. I thought the Browns had one of the best rosters in football. They've won multiple games without their starting quarterback. They won games with P.J. Walker. They beat the 49ers with P.J. Walker at quarterback. They survived two massive injuries. Jack Conklin, the right tackle. Nick Chubb, the running back out for the year. They've got the best defense in football. I wasn't fully right about the Browns because Deshaun Watson, their quarterback, has been garbage. But what I will say, I saw very early on, hey, the Browns are like this incredibly loaded, stacked roster. That was correct. Like, you can't even argue with me. I I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know what's going to happen with their quarterback. Seems like their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, doesn't even want to play. Like, let alone for the Browns, doesn't want to play football at all. Um, So if they can get any kind of competent level of quarterback play from Deshaun Watson, the Browns are a Super Bowl team. I I really believe that. Uh, And so far, that was inaccurate. 
They won. They beat the 49ers with P.J. Walker at quarterback. What else can I say? Like, the Browns are an incredible football team. I was right about that. I was wrong about the quarterback. And we'll see if, gosh, we'll see if Deshaun Watson can be better. (laughs) Like, uh, it's been uh, awful to watch. Dustin writes in. Dustin says, what's up, Z-Dog? How are you? Z-Dog is, uh, you know, things are looking up. I'm doing my best. It's been a tough week, but I'm good. Uh, my question for this week, Dustin writes in and says, is why people make excuses for Justin Herbert and not for Dak when their situations are fairly comparable? They both have had very talented teams around them, but they can't seem to get the job done. They both have never had good coaching their entire career, and they often lose important games. The only difference between the two is that Dak has had a longer career. Despite all these similarities, when Justin Herbert underperforms, the blame is put on his coaching, but when Dak underperforms, the blame is put on him. Do you agree that this is a fair assessment? And if so, then why is this the case? Love your work. I hope you're doing well. Here's what I want to say about this. I think it's taken years for people to finally actually criticize Dak Prescott. Although I've I've been saying it for years. I feel like I've been criticizing Dak Prescott for like the last four years, saying he's underwhelming. He's not very talented. He's not good enough. He's bad on third down. Um, finally, people are now agreeing with me, but I, I, it's all on film. There's so many videos of me on the internet saying Dak Prescott isn't good enough for literally years. And so, um, finally people agree with me. Cowboys fans even seem to agree with me. But, uh, my point is this, it takes a long time before people are able to change their minds about a person and start blaming them, looking at where they're screwing up. Um, so part of why Herbert gets less criticism than Dak Prescott is simply because He's been in the NFL for less time. Um, also, though, Justin Herbert is more talented than Dak Prescott. Like, he's got a higher ceiling. He's capable of more. Justin Herbert at his best, if he could ever play his best, is capable of being easily a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's certainly one of the top five most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Here's what I'll say. If the Chargers ever hire a new head coach, please, God, please do that. Um, and then they still underperform. So if they hire... I don't know who's up, who's possible. Jim Harbaugh. The Chargers, they fire Brandon Staley. They hire Jim Harbaugh. And then still somehow the Chargers are bad and underperforming. Then it's going to be time for Herbert to get big time criticism. But I think by then people will also agree, hey, Herbert isn't playing well enough. He's got no more excuses for Herbert, right? Dax just had more time in the NFL, so he's run out of things other, other people could blame rather than Dak Prescott. Joshua writes in. Joshua says, hey, Zach, should the Falcons move on from Arthur Smith after this year? In my opinion, even with the Falcons ranking first in their division, they should be playing better football than they are. Very few of Arthur Smith's personnel decisions make sense to me. You've got a severely struggling quarterback that you did not have to heavily invest in with a better backup behind him. You have one of the top running backs in the league in Bijan Robinson, and that being said, they paid a premier price for, yet they do not use him very much. Only now is Kyle Pitts or Drake London being targeted and living up to their draft capital even a little bit. He's a run-first head coach in a league where that style wins a few games but no championships. In conclusion, is there any reason whatsoever to keep Arthur Smith as head coach of the Atlanta Falcons? No. Uh, I would get rid of Arthur Smith, although I never liked the hire from the beginning. They hired the guy who was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. What, what 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 did Tennessee ever do on offense made you go, that dude's an incredible coach. We should hire him. What? Tennessee's offense was the one you want to copy? Okay. <laughs> okay. Nonsense. Um, 
I don't think Arthur Smith's ideas are working. I was excited. I thought it was kind of a fun experiment in Atlanta. They have all these running backs, and they're going to run the ball a ton, and it's not good. It's not working. Maybe Taylor Heineke works. We'll see. They change quarterbacks. Maybe that works. Um, Here's the big problem for Arthur Smith. I don't think his philosophy is good for quarterbacks that play for him. The way he runs the ball a ton, he's very conservative with the football. He doesn't trust his quarterbacks to throw in important downs. He doesn't put a lot of faith in their ability to beat man coverage. I I just, like, once you know that the guy you have as head coach can't develop a quarterback, then what are we doing there? Like, if they keep Arthur Smith and then they make a big upgrade at quarterback, like, if they bring in Caleb Williams in Atlanta, I still don't think it would work because the coach calling plays and designing the offense and interacting with the quarterback isn't good at what he does. And if your head coach, who's an offensive head coach, isn't good at working with quarterbacks, then what is he there for? What are we doing? I will say, I think there's something I think people don't realize about Arthur Smith. His father, his dad, is Frederick W. Smith, the founder of FedEx, a billionaire, a very well-off man. I wonder if part of why Arthur Smith got the opportunity to begin with, but let alone keeps the opportunities got in Atlanta, is because... His dad's got a lot of money. Is part is that part of? Is it like, hey, Arthur Blank, the head coach or the the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, is buddy buddy with Frederick W. Smith? He's like, hey, give my son a job, take care of my son. Is that is one billionaire being friends with another billionaire kind of playing a role here? And why Arthur Smith is being given a head coaching job, let alone keeping his head coaching job? Possibly, right? I I never understood the hire from the beginning, and uh, I don't like that. Arthur Smith is a head coach in Atlanta, but like, man, I think this is the most damning thing. If they bring in a young quarterback, it's not going to work. He, he, Arthur Smith has proven he can't develop a young quarterback. However, the guy who interests me is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I think, could do some good stuff in Atlanta. That's basically the only quarterback I can even imagine coming into Atlanta doing well. And if I'm Kirk Cousins, there are so many other places I would rather go where I've got a better chance to win and do well than Atlanta. So, my two cents. Kenny wrote in. Kenny wrote in about USC. I didn't use his question about USC. I just changed his subject. Um, he he left. This is Kenny wrote in like a he wrote in a long wrote post about USC football, basically asking why their defensive coordinator isn't being fired. Here's the short answer. I have no idea. I don't <laughs> I don't know why Alex Grinch is still hired by USC. But he left in like a second half of his question, like a PS basically saying, anytime I see your Instagram story, I assume you're hiking. And then Kenny says, you should go to Cocoa Crater Railway Trailhead in the east side of Honolulu. It's a thousand steps up the side of this mountain. I went this past summer and had a blast. Thank you, Zach. Kenny, first of all, your, your question insinuates that I, who've lived here for more than two years now, somehow don't know about the Cocoa Head Trail. <laughs> Dude, I've... I've, I've Driven by it many, many times. It's near my house. Uh, I, no, not near. I live in downtown. It's it's Hawaii Kai, like the rich area, which is like the bougie, nice area of Honolulu or, or Oahu in general. But um, no way, never, ever, ever, ever am I doing the Cocoa Head Crater Railway Trailhead Hike, whatever it is called. No way. I'm not, I'm not doing that. L- look at the picture of it. I've, I've seen, I've driven by it so many times on that road. You look up, it's literally a staircase up a mountain. What's fun about that? That's not fun. You're not in nature. There's no trees around you. You're on this, you're exposed all day 
to the sun. If you do that hike at four o'clock, by the way, you are screwed. It's hot. It's baking. You got no trees covering you. You're not in the jungle. It's not like a cool jungle hike. I love a difficult hike. Don't get me wrong. My favorite hike is a hike that I'm realizing I shouldn't say publicly because I don't want to ruin it, but it's like this amazing hike that is challenging as all get out. It's eight and a half miles. You're, you have to belay up and down literal rock walls with ropes that are there that someone else put up there that I'm, I'm trusting aren't going to break. I, I That hike is challenging. I love a challenging hike, but I see stuff that's incredible. You're in the jungle. You're going up walls of rock, like literally like rock climbing basically with the help of a rope. The Coco Crater Railway hike doesn't have anything cool. There's better views on other parts of the island. There's a better view across the road at a different hike nearby. Um, also, I climbed Mount St. Helens in 2019. Why would I want to go straight up anything ever again, knowing it's not as good as Mount St. Helens? I'll climb another mountain. I'll climb another mountain to like get, dude, I stood on top of Mount St. Helens and saw the actual crater, which is a volcano. And I saw the blown outside. By the way, I did the Lewitt Trail around Mount St. Helens. I'd, I've been all over Mount St. Helens. I've climbed a couple mountains before. Once you climb a mountain, climbing up some stairs for a, a thousand steps sounds horrifying. You're like, nah, that, that's not going to be rewarding. It sounds awful. By the way, it's also crowded. To me, the Cocoa Head hike. You really incensed me. I didn't realize I was going to say this much about it. The Cocoa Head hike is totally overrated. It's not interesting. It's not exciting. And if you DM me, I'll tell you the hike I love to do here. I don't want to make it public, but if you send me a message like privately, if you're in Hawaii, you're like, hey, I'm in Oahu. I'm going next week. What's a hike I can do that'll kill me? I'll, I'll tell you the hardest hike in Oahu. It's so fun. It's difficult. It's totally, it's not illegal like some of the other hikes here. It's a totally, you can do the hike. It's fine. But it's it, the hike I, I do is the most challenging hike I've ever done in my life, but it's amazing. It's really fun. And uh, if you want to do that, too, I'll send you a message and tell you, but I won't say it publicly. The Cocoa Head Hike just sounds like torture for no real gain. You're up high. Whoa, I can see Lonnie Kai. Wow. I can see. So I can see Hawaii Kai. Wow. I see like Costco. Amazing. You, you just had a ris miserable time walking up a mountain, just a bunch of steps, basically, dodging people left and right. It's super busy in the baking sun. Why would you want to do that hike? I never, I've never understood the appeal of the Cocoa Head Trailhead hike, whatever you want to call it. No, thank you. But I love you. Kenny, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for setting me off on a rampaging, ranting tangent. Uh, ben Barnes of Chronicle of Narnia fame. Ben Barnes, remember, Ben Barnes played Prince, Ca Prince Caspian. He's also the guy in the new Verizon commercials with Pat Patrick Mahomes. I'm assuming, because, you know, we're cool. We got a great audience. It's got to be the same Ben Barnes. And Ben Barnes writes in about a struggle with his fiance. I didn't even know that Ben Barnes was married. Ben, I'm really sorry. But Ben writes in. Ben says, hey, Zach, not a question or anything sports related this week. I just wanted to say that I've been going through an extremely difficult time lately. My fiance and I, who've been together for over four years, are going through a very rough patch right now. Due to personal differences and a complicated situation, our future together is very uncertain and it's been probably the hardest struggle of my life. I know you've been going through a very similar situation. I just wanted to say that having your show to look forward to and your reliable tangents on the show, relatable tangents on the show, have been extremely helpful. Never forget the impact you truly have on the people who watch and listen. You definitely make a difference in the world. Thank you, Ben. I'm thinking about you, man. Ben, um, I went through a breakup where I moved to Hawaii. My girlfriend was supposed to come and move here with me. She decided not to and then broke up with me. <laughs> What's that? And she's mad at me, by the way. I'm like, I don't... She's mad I went on another date, like, a month later, by the way. It's like, you broke up with me. Like, I don't... 
I'm really sorry. I wanted to be friends with her. I wanted to end amicably, and she's mad at me. I'm like, I don't know what to do here. She kind of bailed on me. Um, breakups are horrible, man. I just went through one myself. I like, if you can avoid a breakup, I don't know. Here's what I want to say. I don't know your relationship. And I, whatever is right for things for you, Ben, I hope it works out in the way that's best for you, whether that's staying together or separating. The uncertainty is horrifying. Like trying to make a plan when you're not sure about the person you're with is exhausting. It weighs on you every day. Like there is a lot of, it hangs over you like a cloud where you're like, man, am I ever going to figure this out? Like, cause you're, I don't know if anyone else is like me, but I am always planning my life. I'm always thinking, what's the next thing I got to do? What's the next little bit of whatever going on for me? And so when I, when I try to plan and I can't in the back, like, cause in the background of my head, there's all, it's always going and planning when I don't know what's going on with the person I'm dating or with, and it's uncertain, I just feel horrible because I'm like, I can't really plan for the future because I don't know if we're going to be together in the future. And that's that's a brutal, I just want to acknowledge, Ben, that's awful and really sucks. And I'm really sorry you're going through that. Um, I want to be very clear. You always want, if things end, you always want to be as best you can on good terms. I mean, man, like, even if things don't work out, I really encourage you to be kind and compassionate. Um and if they do end, try to leave things in a good place if you can. It's We did this really painful thing <clears throat> as humans when we date where you date someone, they become like your best friend. And then when you break up, you literally never see them again sometimes. Hopefully not. Um, usually, though, you don't see them again or, or much at all the rest of your life. And you're like, man, it's weird that we were so close for this long period of time. And, and then like now we never see each other ever again. And all that bonding, all that friendship all of the small little inside jokes and little memories they're all like what do you do with them it's it's very difficult for me like i i really hate breakups and i really struggle with them um i don't know anything about your situation ben but i wanted to say that you can reach out to me privately if you want um i don't know your relationship but i know that sometimes being able to talk to someone helps you like I, I was my friend Robbie texted me today and we were we were talking and I just told him like what was kind of going on and what was how I was feeling and being able to just put it on like put it to words and talk through it it really helped me it made, it made me like feel like okay the right I did the right thing it's all okay like I it sucks what's going on but like being able to talk it out with somebody really helps you so Ben if you don't have anyone to talk to you can definitely talk to me Send me a private message on Patreon. We can talk. I, sometimes just being able to put it to words and explain how you're feeling and what's going on can really be helpful. Um, but I, I can't say enough. I encourage you to be kind and gracious. Like, no matter what happens, whether you're together long-term or not with your fiance, um, you know, I, I don't think you will ever regret being kind and being caring. And that that's everything, man. Like, that, that's sometimes all you can do is be nice to people. Um, no, within reason, don't let yourself get walked over. You can be nice without compromising your own personal boundaries, but, uh, be nice, man. Like that, that's the best advice I can give you here. You didn't ask for advice, but, um, I just want to say thank you for the message, Ben. I love you. And, uh, dude, breakups are awful. I've been through way too many in my life. <laughs> it's, uh, it makes you want to never date again. It really, you're like, do I ever want to go through this pain one more time? Like for the hope that maybe I can find something good that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a horrible it's a horrible feeling. So Ben, I love you, man. I'm really sorry you're going through a tough rough patch, and um, I hope things work out for you that are the best. Whatever that looks like, I just hope you're good, Ben. I love you, man. 
Uh, Richmond writes in. Richmond says, hey, Zach, just want to say how funny it is that the Giants almost won with negative passing yards. Yeah, let's be clear. The Giants just lost to the Jets 13 to 10 in overtime last week. They had negative nine yards passing. What? <laughs> negative nine yards? Are you serious? Um, they were six for 14 passing between two different quarterbacks. Negative nine yards total. Tyrod Taylor was four for seven. Tommy DeVito was two for seven. That's insanity. They almost won. They had a lead at the end and lost. But man, like the Giants, they did run for over 200 yards, but I've never seen a team almost win a football game with negative nine yards passing. I I don't, let me, go, is that a record? I'm going to Google it. I'm curious. Negative nine yards. Like, how do you even find out if that's a record passing? I just, I would imagine if I type this in, it's the lowest total in the NFL this year and this century. <laughs> Negative nine yards is the lowest total in the NFL this century. Now, how long is a century? I think that's, is that 50 years? Century time length. Century is a hundred years. <laughs> My God. So basically, it's the lowest passing yards ever put together by a team in NFL history, is what you're saying. <laughs> Man, that's horrifying. Negative nine yards was the lowest total in the NFL this century. Why not just say ever? What does that mean that this century? In the last hundred years or since 20, 2000 started? I. I don't know. Either way, um, there's not a lot of teams to do this every week. Negative nine yards cannot be common. <laughs> they almost won. What does that say about the Jets? My God. Um, Justin writes in. Justin has a long one, but he says, Hello, Zach. Hope you're doing great and enjoying life. I was just talking to my brother who is a Steelers fan, and we started talking about what the Steelers could do with a team and Kenny Pickett in specific. We would like to know your thoughts on this idea we came up with. After this year, the Steelers go out and go after a strong veteran quarterback like Kirk Cousins to give them a one- to two-year contract. Then with a deep quarterback class coming up, you try your best to get a guy you fully believe in. Maybe it's Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, Cameron Ward, etc. After that, the Steelers have a veteran quarterback to lead the offense and help take advantage of a great defense. I see it as a Chiefs-Patrick Mahomes situation with Alex Smith where I personally think it's a great idea just because I think Kenny Pickett is, in the words of Steve Smith, a jag. Just a guy. I don't think he will be the franchise quarterback the Steelers need. Um, I tend to agree about Kenny Pickett. He's not special really in any area. Has an average arm. He's making bad decisions. He isn't a great runner. Like, what's the redeeming quality about Kenny Pickett? I see no reason to invest in him right now. Pittsburgh's ready to win. They've got a great football team. And their quarterback's kind of holding them back, if I'm honest. I wouldn't want to waste that roster they've got in Pittsburgh. And I'm not sure if they can get Kirk Cousins financially. If they can, that would be a great move. The tough part is paying Kirk Cousins. I don't know how you do that. And I wonder if they can make a trade. Like, how many first-round picks would they have to trade to go get Caleb Williams or Drake May? I don't I don't know. Um, or, like, could you get Justin Fields? If Chicago gets the first pick, they're going to draft Caleb Williams. Could you get Justin Fields? I like that idea. Regardless, I don't see a single reason why Pittsburgh should keep Kenny Pickett after this year. Uh I'm curious if in the second half of the year, the final nine games, Kenny Pickett can change my mind. But my God, um, Kenny Pickett isn't great at anything. I don't know why Pittsburgh would want to keep rocking with him, If, in my opinion. Um, I will say 
Kirk Cousins is kind of a tough ask. What about Ryan Tannehill? I don't love Ryan Tannehill at all, but maybe start Ryan Tannehill and then Justin Fields sits behind him till he's ready, something like that. Is that possible? I think that what really should happen, Pittsburgh needs to hire um, Josh McDaniels, the Raiders' former head coach who just got fired. You, you fire Matt Canada, you get rid of Kenny Pickett. Someone might trade for Kenny Pickett. You never know. I think the Cowboys might trade for him. Pitts, you know, the 49ers love backup quarterbacks that, to add to their backup stable of guys that you never know need to get healthy and play. Maybe Atlanta, maybe the Jets. Like I think Kenny Pickett, he's not great. He's kind of really similar to Mitchell Trubisky, if I'm totally honest, where he's just not doing anything special. But I could see a team making a trade like a fourth-round pick for Kenny Pickett, something like that. But um, I think that says it all right there. Like The trade value for Kenny Pickett is non-existent, which shows how badly he's playing week-to-week in the NFL. Lionheart writes in, Lionheart says, Hey, Zach, what are your football pet peeves? Things that bother you even though they don't really matter. I personally have two of them. By the way, is that what a pet peeve is? I thought a pet peeve was a thing that bothers you even if it does matter. Pet peeve. A pet peeve is, let's read the definition, pet peeve meaning. I should have wrote that in meaning. Pet peeve meaning. A pet peeve is something that a particular person finds especially annoying. It doesn't mean necessarily it doesn't matter. So I, I my pet peeve is something that does matter, but it bothers me a lot. Either way, uh, Lionheart says, my pet peeves are fourth down interceptions. Every so often, a team will be forced to go for it on fourth and long. The quarterback throws up a YOLO ball to a receiver in double coverage, and it gets picked off 30 yards downfield. The DB that picked it off then celebrates as if he did something other than cost his team 30 yards. The ball is going to get turned over anyways. Nice job catching an arm punt. Here's why I will push back, Lionheart. At the end of the year, do you think they look at the context of that interception? Or do they go, you had seven interceptions this year. What if all seven were like on arm punts? Who cares? You're going to get paid more money. They just reality is like you, the more interceptions you have on your stat sheet, the more you're going to get paid, the more you're going to get respected in the NFL. I never will begrudge a player for catching an arm punt, although it is like, you'd be better off dropping that. You just cost, you know, instead of the ball at the 50-yard line, you got the ball at the negative at the two-yard line. Okay, like, you could have dropped it and had good field position, but you decided to put yourself above your team, and I don't blame guys who do that at all. Um, number two, Lionheart's number two pet peeve is, whenever a quarterback who got hit one millisecond after throwing the ball throws up his hands, looks at the refs, and starts begging for a flag, what? You hit me. Josh Allen does this all the time. I hate it. Uh, begging for a flag. It's such a whiny thing to do. It's the NFL equivalent of flopping in soccer or basketball. There are so many rules in place to protect quarterbacks that they get most of the credit whenever their team wins. They make so much money more than any other position. Stop whining and take the hit, especially considering that defenders are doing everything they can to not hit you as hard as they can to avoid a penalty and a fine. It's not exclusive to quarterbacks. I see this a lot with PI calls on between wide receivers and defensive backs, but for some reason it bothers me 10 times more when a quarterback begs for a flag. I totally agree. Quarterbacks are the wimpiest little man. I played quarterback, right? We're princesses, and it is it bothers me to no end begging for a call. Come on, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? You don't need to do that. We know you got hit. If it's bad enough, you'll get a penalty. You don't need to, like, flop around and, refs, what the heck? Why don't I get a call? It's like, well, sometimes you're going to get hit. It's still football. We're not playing flag football. What are we doing? You're going to get hit. That's part of the game. Take it or leave it. Here is my my football pet peeve. The thing that I, the number one thing. the This bothers me more than 
anything else in the entire NFL, frankly, entire football world. In fact, this is part of why I sometimes struggle to watch college football because I'll be watching college football and these young quarterbacks are, they're not the same quality as NFL quarterbacks will say. I absolutely hate when a quarterback cannot recognize a blitz or doesn't have a plan to deal with that blitz pre-snap. Every play, you got to identify who could blitz and have a plan where if, in fact, they do blitz, you know where to go with the football. It's like a pre-play checklist or similar to like a pre-flight checklist, like a pilot. They sit down in their plane and they go, okay, like all the instruments are working. The flaps are working. Is the door freaking closed? Like, uh, like you have to do all this stuff to check. Is the plane ready to fly? Every time you snap the ball in football, the quarterback goes, hey, is everything set up right? Like, you know, um, are my receivers lined up properly? Are we in an illegal formation? Where are my safeties at? What coverage do I think it is? Oh, and then, hey, is anyone blitzing? And if they do blitz, what am I going to do? You got to have a plan. So many quarterbacks fail to do this. If a guy blitzes, you got to pick your best matchup pre-snap and get the ball out. It drives me nuts. Like, it has to happen every single time where you identify those guys could blitz. If they do, here's what I got to do with the football. It's such an important detail that so many quarterbacks fail to account for, and it drives me crazy. It makes me like sometimes I just I hate bad football. I really hate bad football, and I hate bad quarterback play in particular. And this happens almost constantly in college football and a lot in the NFL. When you're watching young quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett especially, a lot of these young guys, they're not, they're not ready yet. Desmond Ritter makes me want to tear my eyeballs out. I'm like, dude, they're blitzing. You have, it's so obvious. And if they, even if they don't blitz, here's the thing. You can't, you cannot predict who's going to blitz. You're not a robot. You don't know. But you have to have a game plan where if they do blitz, you know where to go with the football. It's not complicated. Do the math in your head. If a guy blitzes, I got to pick my best matchup, pre-snap, and get the ball out, throw there immediately. So many quarterbacks fail to do this. Being blitzed is an advantage as a quarterback. It means they're taking guys out of coverage to commit to blitzing and getting after the quarterback. If they bring seven guys, seven guys after the quarterback, it means you got four guys in coverage. You know what that means? If you got four receivers, you got one-on-one -on -one coverage across the board. Pick your best matchup, throw the football there. I it kills me so much. Bad football hurts my soul. And if you are getting blitzed, it means you have a chance to have a huge completion and throw and throw for a gain. And I, I just, I never understand why quarterbacks aren't aware pre-snap. Hey, that guy's creeping. That's, that's, that safety's coming down. Is he going to blitz? Or is he going to replace a linebacker who's going to blitz? And look, it never hurts to have a plan. If you plan for a blitz that doesn't happen, that's fine. But if they blitz and you're not prepared for it, you're going to get sacked or have a, a horrible play happen. And it's inexcusable. Every single snap, you got a lot of things to think about. As an NFL quarterback, your mind has to be going like crazy. I think having probably like an ADHD type brain where I can just, I think I process stuff really quickly as a human. It's part of the job. You go, hey, what covers it in? Are we lined up properly? The clock's ticking five, four. If they blitz, where am I going? My best matchup is out wide. He's got a slant. He could replace. If a linebacker blitzes, I can throw the slant right behind him. They blitz, bam, throw the slant. Every time. It's not that hard. You just have to have a plan. If they blitz, where's my best matchup? Catch the ball. Oh, they didn't blitz. Let's just run the play normally. Oh, they did blitz. Throw to your best matchup. It's not complicated. And yet quarterbacks fail to do it. Oh my God. That's my pet peeve in football.
It makes me want to tear my eyeballs out. I really, really, really hate it. Uh, Colin writes in, Colin says, Zach, who is your favorite fictional athlete? I personally think Harry Potter was a system seeker who couldn't finish a full season to save his life. Basically, he was Jimmy Garoppolo. That's your Harry Potter's your favorite fictional athlete, but you also, it sounds like you don't like him. I don't know, whatever. Um, here's what I want to say. I just always wished Spider-Man would play football. Like, wh- why is it that you, you tone it down a little bit? Don't jump over people for like 15 feet in the air. Don't do anything crazy. But I've always wondered when you read comic books, why don't superheroes play sports? I, I think they always say it's cheating, like, oh, I have an unfair advantage. So? Why are why is Spider-Man super, super poor? You know, he has this physical ability he could turn into money. Like, hey, go play basketball. Be the best dunker in the world. No one will understand it. But like, that dude's a freak of nature. He can dunk like no one else. Why is there no guy out there in the entire superhero world who was like once, you know, hey, I got the secret identity. No one knows I'm the superhero. I got a real identity too. I'm a normal guy. People think I'm a normal guy. Why can't I just be like a good high school football player? <laughs> you know, like get a scholarship. You know, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill could be a superhero. We don't know. I, I just like, that's the kind of guy. It's like, dude, well, if you have superpowers, use them to make a lot of money and make your life easier. It's not that complicated. I just never, am I the only person ever who's thought that? Like, why can't superheroes play sports? Just, I get it. It's cheating, whatever. But like, you don't have to be, Peter Parker in Spider-Man is poor as all get out. Why? He could do so many things. He doesn't need to be a broke photographer. It kills me, man. Uh, final right end of the day. It's uh, Fun Friday. Remember last week for Fun Friday, I asked for advice on falling asleep because I just lay in bed for hours. I look at my ceiling and I'm like, oh, wow. There's no like cover over that light bulb. That's weird. Is one of the one of the things dark? One of the blades of the fan is one of them darker than the other? Like I, my brain goes crazy and I think about all this stuff and plan my entire life. Um, Gabriel wrote in with a helpful tip. It's very long. And by the way, after this, after I read this, I have an announcement to make, which we will end the show with. So hang in there. Um, Gabriel says, Hey Zach, I'm writing to share my advice and observations from my own struggles with sleep. As you've discussed on the show before, there's a pretty decent chance you've got the old ADHD brain. And the fact that you struggle with insomnia is just another point in the column. Fortunately, knowing this, you can isolate and aid your sleep issues. I've been working on getting pretty good sleep for years now, and I finally found a recipe that works good for me. So hopefully, this can be of use to you and anyone else in the audience with the same problem. This ended up being a long-ass message, so I'll leave it with a quick trick solution at the start. If you can find it at the grocery store or online, get some tart cherry juice and drink some one to two hours before going to bed. It has natural melatonin in it, and I find that it works better than some of the supplementing melatonin for sustained restful sleep. However, I consider this a Band-Aid fix and recommend the following advice more. First off, you want to make sure to limit your exposure to artificial light within an hour or two of going to bed. This is obviously hard if you work until you go to sleep, so I would unironically recommend using sunglasses when looking at the screens after dark. I've been in the habit of reading books and watching One Piece with sunglasses on in bed the past few weeks, and I'm getting better at it. I'm getting getting better sleep for it, excuse me. Secondly, so sunglasses like an hour or two before bed, even when you're watching screens because it helps you, um, what's the word, limit your exposure to artificial light. Secondly, he says, 
You need to avoid getting excited and or intellectually stimulated before bed if you can help it. Even if you're tired, the ADHD mind is good at getting excited when prompted and can, it can take a long time to come back down. I hear that all. Dude, that, that's exactly me. I get excited about a topic and then my brain goes for like hours. He said, I've heard it theorized that ADHD people who made... ADHD people made for good nighttime guards and hunters as we evolved, and that's why we tend to be night owls with dynamic attention. But that's neither here nor there. Thirdly, it can really help to have white noise, rain, beach waves, other background noise to achieve the optimal level of mental stimulation to fall asleep. There are a ton of different YouTube videos for this if you search up sleep noise, and I just recommend picking whatever seems nice and setting it to a comfortable volume on either your phone or computer speaker. Like I said before, you want to make sure there isn't artificial light coming from a screen coming at you. But you mentioned a sleep mask, so you're probably covered there. I do. I wear a... I'm not going to grab it. I've got a sleep mask behind me. It's like a Manta sleep mask. They should sponsor me. I love them. Uh, your boy blacks out every night. It's great. Blacks out with uh, something covering my eyeballs, not drunk. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, fourth and finally, trying to make yourself fall asleep has the opposite effect. For this step, you want to channel Eastern wisdom and try to reach not doing or no mind. So when you're in bed, not falling asleep, getting frustrated or thinking about how much you need to be sleeping right now will always have the effect of waking you up further. You'll only fall asleep when your system becomes sufficiently relaxed and your thoughts aren't racing. Now, this is obviously harder for a person with ADHD, but hopefully the previous steps have put you in a better position to relax and get sleepy. If that's still not enough though, I recommend recontextualizing the situation you're in from feeling like you're stuck awake in bed to, man, I'm grateful to be relaxing in bed with no responsibilities. If you can believe the latter statement for long enough, you'll find yourself easing into deep sleep quite pleasantly. That, that dude, Gabe, best advice I've ever heard in my life. Hey, if you can't, if you're like struggling, don't feel like you're trapped, stuck in bed, just relax and go, ah, oh, isn't it nice to be doing nothing right now? I don't have any responsibilities. It's all good. I can relax. That's a great, that, uh, you said a lot of helpful stuff. That's the best thing you, uh, Gabe, by the way, best write-in like I've ever received about a topic. When I asked for help, you came and delivered big time. You put a lot of effort. It's a long write-in. It's not even done yet. Last thing Gabe says is, don't even worry about wanting to go to sleep because it'll happen when it happens and worrying won't make it come any sooner. Hopefully this didn't end up being unreadably long. But I think my experiences have made me uniquely suited to help you with this particular issue. Gabriel! Well freaking done, man. That was amazing. That was like top-notch, high-level write-in on Patreon. I love you, man. Thank you. That's all going to help me. You bet I saved all of it on my phone. And I'll look at it with sunglasses before I go to bed. <laughs> no, seriously, man. That's that's good stuff. I, I, I'm i sure it helped me. Well, it will help me. I'm sure it will help someone else, though, too. And uh, I have ADHD. I just, I do. It's, it's all... I, just, I don't know. I got a friend. I went on a date with this girl recently who um, has Adderall, and I want to try it with her. I think I'd be fun. Like, I, I just want to see what that does to my brain, particularly. I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's end the show with an announcement. Um, this is important. I want you to hear everything. I, I have I have nothing planned. I have no, like, notes around me. I'm, I'm just going to talk to you. Um, I took a job here in Honolulu. It's a job. Um, how do I even say this? Ah, screw it. I'll say what it is. I, I took a job as a plumber, you know, like I, I your boy, Zach, I'm good with tools. I, I killed it at HVAC. Um, I needed more money. 
the show makes enough to kind of pay my bills, but I want more money, and um, I'm really tired of barely getting by. Uh, also, like, I, 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 I just, I need to have peace about it. Um, and so I took a job as a plumber. I start on Tuesday. I'm very excited. Actually, genu- genuinely, I'm really pumped. Um, and the way that's going to impact Strong Opinion Sports is I'm going to make the show a weekly show. Uh, I'm going to record probably every Tuesday, put the show out Wednesdays. That's the goal. If it comes out Thursdays, I'm doing my best. I'm one man doing the best I can. Um, I took a job, and I'm excited about it. And I, uh, it's the right thing for me, for sure. Strong Opinion Sports will continue. It's going to be a weekly show. My idea is that it's going to be, hey, the the first part of the show will be, let's talk about what happened last week. So when I record this upcoming Tuesday, this will be the last episode that's like, I'm trying to pump out four or five a week. I just don't want to do it anymore. I can't, I, I need, I, I, I'm really, I'm excited for a normal job. Um, strong opinion sports. So Tuesday's episode will, that I'll record Tuesday, probably come out Wednesday, will be something like this. The show will start, I'll talk about what happened last week in the NFL. Then I'll talk about the upcoming weekend of the NFL and kind of preview slash predict what's going to happen next. Then we're going to answer Patreon questions. And then there was one other thing. I think that's that's all I can think of right now. What happened last week? Preview next week. Patreon questions. The thing I don't know. Here's what I'm remembering now. The thing I wasn't sure what to do with is the fantasy football episode. So here's what I want you to write in about. I'll probably record it all back to back anyway. But would you rather me do a separate episode entirely for fantasy football or lump it in at the end of the entire long show? I am really excited to do a show this way. I To do a weekly Strong Opinion Sports show is, I, I think, going to be really fun. Like, again, like for me as a creator, it's going to be really fun to make. I can have fun with it. I'm not in a hurry. It's not as important to be like, immediately after the game happens. Like, no, it's every Tuesday. I sit down. I do this thing. I love to do it. I get to prepare it. I want to have more fun with it. I want to include way more Patreon questions. Like at the beginning of the show, my favorite podcasts, they frankly get the ball rolling where the guys warm up a little bit where they're like, you know, Dave wrote in about blah, blah, blah. And I want to read nonsense questions. I want to have fun with this show uh, and make it a weekly thing that is kind of a tradition and really good and has inside jokes. And um, I think a weekly show is probably going to be really, really outstanding content, honestly. Sometimes less is more. I think that's the answer here. I was originally going to make the fantasy football episodes just a, a tacked on segment at the end of the show. The feedback I got from some people was, hey, maybe just make that a separate episode. You can record it the same day, but put it out on its own thing. Probably a good idea. Write in, let me know what you think of that. But um, I took a job. I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's going to relieve basically all the pressure off of me. Like when you are when you need to pay your bills to survive and your job is making content and it's supposed to be a thing you love, it's, it's really this complicated relationship. And I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a whole weird thing. And then when you're barely making enough money to pay your bills and you're really scared about it and you're like, if I make this video and it doesn't land and people don't like it and it doesn't work, I'm not going to make enough money. I won't be able to, like, so it really affects how you make the content. When I can remove myself and all the money now from Strong Opinion Sports is more of extra than to survive, um, it's going to take the pressure off and allow me to focus on making stuff I love and that's high quality and fun. Um, and I, I think it's going to be really good all around. So that's the new plan. Strong Opinion Sports will be a weekly show. I told my sponsors. We got sponsors through February. We got a new one coming in two weeks. It's going to be awesome. Um, if you like listening to me talk about sports, you're going to – I promise you it's not going away. 
I, I love doing this show. It's so like, I think if you listen to me talk for long enough, you know, like I love doing this. It's really fun for me. Um, but the format is going to change in a way that I think is going to be better. I, again, I'm aiming for Wednesday, 6 a.m. East Coast time every week is my goal. That's what I want to, if I miss it, I'll do my best. Remember, I, I'll be working as a plumber. So like, I'm going to be tired. I'm doing the best I can. But I think that's a fun goal that I like. And then I'll probably do a separate episode that I'll release on Thursday mornings about fantasy football. And it's it's only going to last for a little while because soon fantasy football will go away. But again, I like the idea. We talk about what happened last week. We make some predictions for next week. We answer a ton of Patreon questions. We have fun. We talk about the news. I think it's going to be a brilliant show that I feel really good about. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the future of Strong Opinion Sports. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, I, I know that uh, last time I did this, the show went away eventually. That's not the plan here. I plan to do this show uh, for a long, long time. Part of what I like about this weekly thing is it makes it less oppressive. Like I, I am always working all the time trying to keep up with everything. No, I can just have a little checklist of stuff that I write down and I, I, I'm on, uh, what's the word here? Digital notes now. So as the week goes on, oh, this is what happens. Write a little note, bang, bang. And then every Tuesday I sit down, look at my notes, go through them all, have fun with it. Uh, it's a way more manageable schedule for me. And I, I just, I really struggle with trying to keep up with the news cycle. I don't, I don't like doing that. This is my solution to that. Uh, I get healthcare. So in about a month, I'll have healthcare, which will be amazing. Haven't had that uh, in a long time. So I'll have healthcare. I'll have more money. I'll be able to pay my bills. I'll take the pressure off. And I think it's going to make the show better in the long term. So I love you. I hope that makes sense. Um, and don't worry. The show's not going anywhere. I, I think it's very clear when you hear me talk. I love doing this thing. It's so fun for me. Um, and so I, uh, I hope you enjoy what's coming. I love you. Thanks for listening. On a, it'll be, come out Saturday morning. It's already it's already past midnight on the West Coast. It's 9 p.m. here in Hawaii. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. By the way, um, I want to say I, I talked about the trades earlier in it was a story where linebacker for the Eagles from Bellevue, Washington. I forget the Miles Jack was talking about being a plumber or something. And I was like, man, you know, what's a job that I can basically as long as I'm good at it, I'll always have work. A plumber, dude. Like the trades are to me really good. Um, to be a plumber in Hawaii is kind of amazing. It's like a high-paying job that's like really steady and reliable in Honolulu. Like that, to me, is something I've wanted my whole life. It was a high-paying job in Honolulu. Like I really, I'm not even kidding to you. Like since I was a like a very young kid, I, I thought Hawaii was the best thing ever. So to me, this is a exciting step. Something I'm excited for. And like. I did apply for sales jobs. I even interviewed for some. They didn't feel right. I'm sure I'd be a great salesman, but I like using tools. The trades work really well for me. And the best thing is, again, when your drain breaks or you've got a problem with your water heater, like when, when your plumbing breaks, you have to fix it. You don't know. If you're a salesman selling something, when the economy goes down, you're not always going to buy something. You're always going to need a plumber, always. Uh, so that makes me feel like I've got job security. I feel really good. My boss is awesome. Uh, I feel really good about what's going on. So that is the update for Zach. The big one, the way it's going to affect the show is Strong Opinion Sports is going to be a weekly show. And and I think the tone of the show is going to be more fun and relaxed in a healthy way. So um, I'm excited for that. The pressure's off. We can have a lot of a lot of fun. And uh, I you know, I think it's actually going to make the show bigger, to be honest. I know that's weird, um, but it'll be a true podcast. Like, I think it's going to be awesome for the show. So I love you anyway. 
Appreciate it. Hope you have a great day. I will see you on, you'll hear from me next on Wednesday. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are.